Uh, on my immediate left is um, Phil Molife, who many of you will remember or know as, um, uh, as having been deeply involved in the SABC for several years. In various kinds of capacity, we were, uh, how shall we say, we were working together there um, over some time. Um, Next to him is Nara Wachella, who is um, the head of, 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 of uh, radio um, at the SABC currently, so will be able to tell us what's going on there at the moment. And then on my far left is Berard Dupré, I hope I said that correctly, um, the CEO of the Seychelles Broadcasting Corporation. So let me tell you another quick story. When I arrived at the SABC in 1994 as part of the generation of editors who were brought in to turn um, the organization around, there was much to be done, as you would know, and as you would expect. I mean, on the one hand, there were the big things. You know, this was a state, this was an apartheid broadcaster. You were, one was trying to turn it around um, and turn it into a really public broadcaster, something that um, uh, fit with the new order of things with, that fit this, the democratic South Africa. Um, and also, particularly in radio, of course, language was always used as a, as a tool of division. And this was a very, very powerful and difficult thing to deal with. And we did what we could. Um, I don't think nearly as much as one would have liked to have done um, and yet here we are so many years later, and we haven't moved forward uh, significantly, I don't think. Well, we have moved forward, but perhaps not enough. So there were those big things that, have that, that exercised our minds, and then there were also really small, smaller things. I, I mean, I remember, for instance, moving into an enormous corner office with dark wood, but like this. Um, it was about the off corner office that I was moved into as, as, at the time, national editor of Radio News. It was about the size of my entire organization that I'd run before. And you opened the cupboards, and there was Czechoslovakian crystal in these cupboards. For what reason, I still don't really know. Um, and then you took, I mean, you, you walked around the lifts and then into what was then the newsroom in Radio Park, uh, and it was a small newsroom, and, and uh, you saw people sort of squashed in, and they, at the time, didn't have audio recorders. And that was the most extraordinary thing for me, that the, you know, the kind of managers, the editors had this crystal in the, in the cupboards, but the reporters didn't have the most basic of tools for a radio news organization. So that was then, that was 1994, and we've, you know, much water has, has flowed under the bridge, and, Yesterday I read that the, the minister is now talking about signing off on a guarantee. Clearly, money hasn't worked as well as it should be. Um, um, I think we need to address two questions, crucially. And I'd, I mean, let's talk about the one, and then let's talk about the other, and then let's see how we, you know, what kind of discussion uh, we involve. Uh, that everybody wants to get involved. Um, the one is about independence. The one is about one's relationship to the government. Because I think if one looks across the continent, you know, you see many organizations that call themselves public broadcasters, but they're really mouthpieces of the state. You know, you hear stories from a kingdom not very far from here where 
the, the, the king has a TV crew that runs in five minutes before the evening bulletin with a video and says, here's the thing, and that takes up most of the bulletin. And that's not, I mean, it's extreme, but it's not un, unusual. So the question of independence. And then the question of money, you know? How are we funding this thing? Um, and of course, those two are connected. So let me just give everybody in turn a chance to address um, the question of independence, and let's see where we go with that. Um, and then talk about money, and then let's open it to the floor. Phil, talk to us about independence. Uh, thank you, uh, Franz, and good morning to all of you. Um, I think I would actually start off with uh, public service broadcasting, what it is, and then in that context we will understand independence and the freedoms that must be extended to newsrooms. France, you are quite right, in 1994, when we went to the SABC, it was a state broadcast. And we set about to establish a transformation forum to transform the SABC. And transformation here does not mean changing riders and the horse remaining the same, but it has to do with uh, the substance of the content, it has to do with uh, those who create that content. And that was the whole process of transforming from state to public. In recent years, I've been doing a lot of work across the Southern African region and indeed the rest of the continent of Africa. And I have come to realize that what we did in 1994 is still happening in many parts of the continent, where you still have sharp contrasts between state and public service. Public service is where the uh, organization is serving the interests of the public and not the state or government of the day. And the uh, flip side of that coin is uh, a state broadcast is where the government is the alpha and omega of the operations of that state. And that's when now the whole question of independence comes in, because uh, if you don't set that context, a question may be raised independent from what or independent from who. So we're talking about state versus public. And the SABC has gone through that process, of course, with, uh, with the drawers here and there. But uh, on the continent, some gains have been made, but you still have areas that are lagging behind. Now, independence is very critical particularly to uh, public service, which is primarily radio and television. And independence here, we are talking about independence from the state. And that is why it was crucial that uh, I paint that picture about uh, how public service has evolved. It's independence from the state where editorial decisions are vest with the editors, where the editors decide what is the running order, decide what stories are going to make the bulletin. That is editorial independence, and that is what we aspire to have 
on the continent. A lot still has to be done in South Africa, across the region, and indeed the rest of the continent. I've just finished a week-long program in Botswana last week, and you can actually feel the heavy presence of the state in the public media in Botswana. And not just Botswana. I've done work in Namibia, and one example about Namibia is uh, it is uh, an unwritten rule that the president of the country is the lead story. Even if you have uh, a very big world headline story, it's fair accompli that the president is headline. Across the border, the kingdom, as France said, actually you get the, 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 the head of state sitting in his private lounge and addressing the nation. And it goes on for 15 minutes, and the bulletin was set for 10 minutes. So you overrun, you eat into programs. In Nigeria, I have done some work with the Federal Radio Corporation of, of Nigeria, RFCN. And that's where you have a situation where, with the change of military governments, it depends what is the cartel that has access to power, and that cartel determines what must run and what shouldn't. So that paints a picture about state and public. Why is it so hard, Phil, before I ask Nada, why is it so hard in Africa to move away from state involvement? I think it is the, uh, the power that is brought to bear on those who run and manage those newsrooms. Uh, as I have cited, even in cases where you have uh, what is open and quote democratic civil governments, but you find that uh, the, uh, the clamp down, the power of uh, the um, powers that be is so much that uh, newsrooms have very little resistance to offer. It is also a question of uh, political appointments mm. because uh, these people are appointed by the powers that be. It means at the very point of appointment, an agreement, signed or not, was reached that uh, this is how you are going to run the okay. newsroom. So that makes it very hard, inevitably. So Nada, do you feel that power um, being, uh, being pushed, being pressed against you? Um, thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Franz. It's quite an honor to be here today. Um, you know, I, I think before I answer your question, it's also very important um, to remember that, you know, one of the main reasons that we have a public broadcaster is to nurture democracy. And um, that democracy we all have to guard very jealously. Um, we're very fortunate in South Africa in that we've made a lot of strides in transforming our public broadcaster and ensuring that um, the public broadcaster serves the interests of the public, um, you know, first and foremost. Um, but we, we have had situations where we've let our guard down and we have slipped. I mean, you have read about the 
horrific things that have been happening at the public broadcaster in the past few years. Um, and, and that is mainly because um, also a public broadcaster is a mirror of society. What was happening at the public broadcaster at that time is what was happening in, in, in the country. Um, and we have taken a step back to correct uh, some of those, uh, those mistakes that we have made. But um, it's very hard, you know, to, to gain the credibility of your audiences when you have made such huge, you know, uh, mistakes. In, in, in their eyes. But right now, I think we're slowly recovering the, the, the credibility. I mean, our, our journalists have won a number of awards, or our newsroom has won a number of awards, and um, has been recognized for their coverage of the, the recent election. So I think we're on the right path. It has felt sometimes over the years that there are political factions beyond even political parties that have fought their battles through the SABC. It, it, is, it is true, and we've seen a number of um, journalists or personnel, um, you know, um, being, uh, falling victim to those factions that uh, were at play. Um, but fortunately, in this country, we have uh, also very, a, a very good legislative system um, that allows you know, for, for things like that to come up in the open and for, um, for perpetrators to be brought to book. So we, we're watching the space. Okay, watching is one thing, doing is even better. <laughs> Gerard, um, tell us about the Seychelles. I mean, we know little about your country, I'm afraid, in here, so you'll have to bear with us. How does independence play out for you? Um, thank you, good afternoon, everybody. It is a pleasure to be at my first Radio Days Africa. I hope it's not the last. I hope you can hear me. Um, uh, indeed, Seychelles, um, not many people know about the Seychelles, but it's the smallest uh, state in Africa. We're off the coast of the Indian Ocean. We're not part of the mainland, and we're proudly African. Um, uh, it is an interesting case study, the Seychelles. The journey that we have taken to where we are now is interesting, and I would like it, uh, how we break the mold to put it as a statement in uh, that, uh, uh, to say that an independent uh, public media is indispensable for democracy, and yet um, a democratic society is indispensable for public media. So it's a bit of a circle that has to be broken. And uh, the Seychelles case is that uh, we transited to a multi-party democracy after one-party dictatorship in 1992. So an independent media was created on paper by law. But it was never the case as an independent media until two years ago. And the thing that changed it was the political process for the first time that there was a stalemate between the executive government and the legislative for the first time, the opposition took control of the legislature. And then the balance of power was hard, and then the law was changed to make sure that we did implement an independent broadcaster. So I am the product of being the first CEO of being a truly independent broadcaster, having been appointed by an independent board and uh, putting my name forward, not chosen by politicians, uh, to be able to get the job. So that's two years on. There is a bit the issue that, uh, um, uh, um, sorry, I'm trying to get the name. Nada has uh, mentioned about of the building, the credibility of the national broadcaster. But what is um, comforting is that when I met the president, because he has to sign um, uh, what the board recommended, he promised never to interfere. 
And he has never done that. Never have had a high state house call me to say pastor news or not. But the interesting thing is that because we've been so long into that mode of not being free to say as the newsroom being controlled and being told to say, now that the newsroom has the freedom to be able to write and go and chase the right news, it's still the scare of getting out there, of reporting, um, and that is what we're trying to, 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 to change. So yeah, we are interesting case of transiting from a state broadcaster into an independent broadcaster, and the journey has just begun, but it is a very exciting and interesting one, and I'm proud to be part of that. Thank you. So there is, there is a degree of self-censorship, there is a, a, a fear of going out, and then how do you deal with that? I mean, how do you encourage journalists to say, actually, it's okay, you can do this stuff? I've been singing, I've been singing the lamentation or whatever you say for the past two years. Uh, to, the, it, the right word you use is self-censorship. Mm. Um, two years to being told top-down from the CEO, go chase that story, write what you think, um, uh, and then to, to just find that the empowerment is not there, and it's a continuous, a continuous one. Um, uh, empowered by the Constitution to provide divergent views, it's there in the Constitution, there's an act that provides for that as well. Um, a question of just grabbing it and, and running with it, but the fee is still there, because we also, partly, because of the democratic process is not fully stable, it's not fully there, so there is that fee of we can go back. Mm -hmm. So both are, are interdependent, to build a strong democracy and then to build a strong public, uh, independent public media. And that's a process. It's going to take, frustratingly, um, a bit longer than we, we, we all would want to see happen. Feel free to kind of pick up on points from each other, by the way, if you, if you want to. I'm interested in this thing of building credibility. I mean, what does one do, to any one of you, really, what does one do to build credibility once you've made that change? Phil? Um, oh, it's, 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 it's really... You know, it, it, it's really not something you can do overnight. Um, and it's, it's not something that uh, you can put up a marketing campaign. Um, you've seen our, our, our newsroom putting uh, up a very brilliant um, marketing campaign, you know, the, the, the black campaign. But it's actually what you do, mm -hmm. you know, to make people believe that you, you, you are now um, transforming and you are now taking you know your your responsibilities seriously mm -hmm. it's it's really in the doing you know that you you can change people's views about you but yes the marketing as well mm -hmm. help going out to say to people you know this is what we intend mm -hmm. to do and we're sticking by it and it takes time right it does phil uh, talking about independence there are two other things i want to mention in the context of this conversation one is we dealt with uh, interference from government or being independent from the state. But there is another level of uh, interference and which is hardly ever spoken about. And it is just as, uh, as, as, as potent and that is commercial pressure. That is commercial interference. Uh, the SABC, for example, uh, the, 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 the funding model of the SABC is a public broadcaster, but it also has to earn its revenue from commercial 
uh, avenues. And these commercial avenues have their own demands on the type of content, the schedule, and all that. So when we talk about uh, independence, it is not just a one-sided coin. It is a coin with two sides. There is state interference, but there is equally, just as uh, uh, onerous uh, pressure and interference from the commercial side of things. And we actually even see it in the, the commercial media. The second thing I wanted to mention about independence and, uh, and uh, how newsrooms deal with this is that uh, it is a push and push back scenario. There's pressure that comes from above, but you still find few people with integrity in those institutions who do so much, who do a lot behind the scenes to push back that pressure. And we hardly ever, you know, recognize that role. All we see is a, a bulletin that has a preponderance of ministers and government officials. And we actually don't know the amount of pushback that has gone into that exercise. Had there been not, had there been no such a pushback, perhaps the situation would have been what we saw Nada referring to, that uh, in, uh, in, in, in recent years, there were lapses of judgment in the SABC, where absolutely no pushback happened, and it was just roll over, and everyone was rolling over. So to me, those two things are critical. The two sides of uh, the independence coin, but also the role of people in public service. The role of those people who do their best, and most of them at risk of their careers and profession, who do so much to push back pressure from the state and commercial. Which um, takes us neatly into my second question, right? It's about the money. Um, I mean, we, as you say, we have a public broadcaster that is actually a commercially funded entity. Um, I'll be interested to hear what it's like in the Seychelles. And, but just to also throw an aspect into that, into that discussion, which we, don't, which we often don't think about here, is that it puts the public broadcaster into competition with private broadcasters. And what we've seen in Europe and other places, particularly, is a strong pushback there to say these, you know, the public broadcaster should be shrunk so that there is more space for private. Um, tell us from the Seychelles' point of view, are you funded publicly? Yes, we are funded by the state, and that, was, that is a very interesting subject. There's no point being politically independent if you don't have any money to do anything. Um, <laughs> and uh, the, 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 in terms of innovating content, uh, in your content output, to be able to keep the ease and eyes of, uh, onto, on, into your um, uh, stations uh, against the competition that is out there. Um, uh, if I may use this platform to plug a bit what I'm talking about this afternoon around two, is just how we are embracing that challenge into being innovative uh, regardless. Um, I think uh, the bottom line in this is, is, is really is always to do with money and resources. And uh, what, there's, there's two, two things that 
the, the state has a limited amount of money that it has to share around, and we do recognize, so the broadcaster has to use that efficiently. And I think one of the key messages for public broadcasters out there is that one of the changes that needs to happen is that they've got to have an operating model that is like a commercial broadcaster, so that the, we, it, it, it is a public service uh, side of things, but you are in competition with a lot of others out there who are doing it much more efficiently, much more productively than you are, and being much more innovative. So uh, the tra transition is really difficult when, obviously, yes, you got your independence, but the same people are, have been there working in a public service kind of way, job for life kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So what we are finding as a challenge now, because we very keen on innovating quite fast, because our relevance as a public broadcaster not, doesn't just de de depend on our independence, but our ability to reach the audiences, um, we're finding that we are strapped for cash. Whilst we are allowed to have some revenue, and our revenue is growing, the amount of catching up that we have to do in terms of uh, remaining relevant and being able to reach our audience is significant. So we have that challenge, and I'm sure like many other broadcasters, including the big ones like the BBC, are lamenting about. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and the challenge is to try and do with what you have and make the most uh, of what we have. So yes, we do have a problem, um, not as big a debt as our colleagues here, um, but um, we, um, we've, we're seeing it already because we are investing in new infrastructures. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, I'm talking about that a bit this afternoon, but uh, certainly funding is, is, is key. You mm -hmm. cannot do it without, uh, sure. but we need to be less cumbersome and use that uh, the technology to make us become less cumbersome. More efficient. More efficient. I'd like to come back, if we've got time, to this issue of innovation, because it always seems to me the best public broadcasters are at the forefront of new things. Um, but let me just um, open it to, to Nada. I mean, it's all very well talking about pushing back. It's all very well talking about um, being independent. But if staff are worried about the paycheck at the end of the month, it must be un incredibly difficult. Tell us about your situation. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite a terrible situation that we find ourselves in right now. And I must say it up front that a public broadcaster that is not financially sustainable, it means that the public mandate is under threat. And that is where we are right now, because if we do not have the funds to run the public broadcaster, then that means we're going to be cutting back on the uh, news programs, educational programs, and all these other things. And those are the things that actually make a public broadcaster in a country like South Africa, where the majority of um, people um, still don't have access to um, to education or people that are illiterate, you know, who rely on our radio stations as their sole source of information and news, you have to have a sustainable public broadcaster that will continue empowering those communities. Um, children go to school and they never see teachers, you know, and that's where we come in as the public broadcaster um, with our curriculum-based educational programs. Um, we we we, but we're heavily reliant on, on commercial um, revenue, as Uncle Phil here has pointed out. And I know that a lot of people have you know, different opinions about a public broadcaster that is 
83% commercially funded, you know, as against a public broadcaster that is um, state funded. I'm sitting here with a 1.9 billion rands target for this year. And the economy is shrinking. <laughs> My colleagues are laughing because they know the pressure um, that they are under, I mean, in terms of the targets allocated to the various radio stations. Um, it, it's quite a difficult situation, but we hear, because of what I mentioned earlier, of the mistakes that we have made in, in, the, in, in recent years, which we trying to recover from. But um, yes, as you put it, you know, for stuff not to have that security anymore is quite a terrible thing. And um, you can imagine what it does to, to, to the levels of motivation. Sure. I mean, Berard talks about becoming more efficient. There is a perception that SABC is also simply bloated. Do you regret that that plan to radically reduce staff was closed down late last year? Um, that's, that's quite a difficult question um, to tackle, uh, France. Um, but, you know, we, we have a, a panel of experts that are assisting us to see which areas, you know, specifically are uploaded. Because, for instance, my colleagues here from radio would tell you how um, understaffed they are at various radio stations. I mean, I have a number of radio stations right now that do not have um, station managers. And we're waiting for, you know, major decisions to be taken, you know, about the funding of the SABC in order to, um, to resource those stations again fully. So now, if you're saying to um, a station like uh, Mutsuading FM that's just lost their station manager that no, we, we're going to be cutting here, then they're like, okay, where are you going to cut? Because that means now we're going to be dysfunctional. You know? But yes, there are areas where we feel we can do better. So we have a panel of um, experts that are assisting us to look at our um, operating model. Thank you. Let me open it to other contributions and questions. I've got lots more. I'll keep you going. But Mike, and then there's uh, John Masuku, and let's start there. Mike. Mike needs a mic. Uh, thank you, Franz. I, I think SABC will always find it very difficult every, because all the bullets will be coming to them. Uh, Nada, in the light of the fact that your funding model state that you have the TV license, which nobody pays them anymore, if there are any. And uh, also there is this uh, government uh, 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 budget that were also given to you on a yearly basis and uh, as legally as it is. And uh, you are also battling to generate your advertising revenue. Uh, 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 resulting from the fact that everybody is losing confidence on you. How do you see the future of SABC? Looking at the fact that you have uh, the commercial part, the language station and the regional station and all lumped in the one basket, but that basket doesn't attract enough revenue. How do you see your way around? Because these government guarantees are slowly running out. So, a simple question then. What's the future of the SABC? Uh, do you want to respond to that? And then we'll go to John. Yeah? Okay. Go ahead. Um, look, um, Mike, th there will always be 
um, space for a public broadcaster in South Africa, especially um, in the radio space. Remember, we, we, we're serving you know, rural communities that um, are, are reliant on these radio stations. But yes, if the funding model you know, does not improve, then these stations are facing you know, a very bleak future. Um, and remember, the government guarantee is not a bailout like we have seen with other SOEs. We don't get money from government. We get a piece of paper to go to, um, to the banks like everybody else, you know, to, to borrow money, which we have to pay back. So um, even that is not the real solution. Maybe from, for the time being, you know, uh, but we, we, we really need um, to relook the funding model of the SABC um, to be able you know, to be sustainable in the future. The funding model or the operating model? Because, I mean, as you say, it only buys you time. I mean, you need a business plan that means you can run on the money that you can earn. Yeah, bo both. The operating model as well as the funding model. Sure. Thank you. John? Thank you very much. Phil, it's good to see you once again. Uh, I, I remember Phil from the days of the inception of Saba, when I was also the group CEO of radio in Zimbabwe. And you, we had a booklet outlining how public broadcaster should behave. Uh, I'd actually gotten lost about Saba. Tell us, how are you succeeding in your peer review mechanisms? Because our own public broadcaster is still far from uh, achieving uh, what was set out. Saba has a peer review mechanism? Tell us about that, Phil. I did not know. Yeah, in fact, uh, John is quite right. In the very early days of Saba, standards were set. And in fact, uh, Saba was encouraged by, what the, by, by the SABC in 1994-1995, and uh, the whole of the region wanted to go public service broadcasting route. The challenges were Zimbabwe, you are quite right, uh, Zambia uh, uh, and other countries, but those that stand out for me are Zimbabwe, Zambia, and of course uh, uh, DR Congo was also a part of Saba at the time. Uh, and there was a time when uh, we were actually measuring against each other. And uh, France, it is interesting that uh, in one of the sessions when we were just uh, reviewing how far we have come in moving towards public service broadcaster, one station stood up in the meeting and said, we are a state broadcaster and we want to stay where we are because we are paid for by government. So that gives you a glimpse of uh, the nature of discussions and uh, the, the, um, uh, the intensity of the engagement. So then that program of peer reviewing countries uh, ground to a halt because uh, there was that uh, thing that uh, there shouldn't be interference from one uh, on, on the other. But yes, there was a peer review mechanism in Saba to really encourage everyone to move towards public service broadcasting. Thank you. Um, other points, questions? We're kind of heading towards lunch, but I'm sure there are questions. 
yes, Lynn. Uh, there's a microphone, and then one over there. Hi, guys. I'm sorry to harp on about this. So um, I kind of almost represent... We, we do branded content, as you know, in, mul in multiple languages. And what's happening in the industry a little bit is the lack of faith or the fear or the anxiety of where it's going is resulting in um, the lack of the appetite that there was before to move into advertising and branded content on the stations because we don't know where it's going. I've had clients say, but the SABC won't be there in three months' time, which, if, which I know, rolls eyes. But, but, there's, but there, you did. But, but there, is, there, is, there is that. So in other words, beyond your, which we know that you'll never die because you are the stock exchange of the whole industry and the country. But because of that, is there any way or, or are you doing anything to assuage the, the anxiety of the industry that wants to give you the advertising revenue. How are you dealing with that anxiety? Okay, Thank thanks. Do you want to pick that up? And then there's a question over yeah. there. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, Lynn, next week, we have um, an event that is targeted at the industry because one of the things that I realized as the group executive for radio is that we have so many good stories to tell as SABC radio. For instance, our our radio stations have been growing phenomenally. We've been growing diary on diary and year on year. And we're not going out to say to the public and the advertisers out there, despite everything else that is happening, South Africans still have faith in the SABC. They still wake up every day and tune into these radio stations. So next week, we have a, an event that is targeted at our advertisers. It's called Radio Connect. I'm not sure if you've got the invite. But it's one of the things that I have uh, put my neck on the block to say, we shall invest in engaging advertisers. because. You know, as things stand right now, we still depend on advertising revenue. And we have to pull them closer and say that our radio stations are still as healthy as you know them. We have dedicated men and women who go to work every day, even if they don't know that their salaries will be paid at the end of the month. But they still go there to provide a service to South Africans because, you know, they've built a relationship with the South African audiences. Thank you. Can I, can I just one sure. small thing, uh, friends? I, I don't think there should be anxiety about the uh, continued survival of public service broadcasting in South Africa or anywhere for two reasons. Public service broadcasting, and that's what sets it apart from commercial. The first thing is language. Only public service broadcasting uh, it goes out to people in their own languages. And that is very, very important. As Nelson Mandela said, if you talk to a man in the language he understands, that goes to his head. But if the language of his mother, it goes to the heart. So language is very, very important. But the second one is rich. And I always used to tell people at the SABC, particularly the newsroom, that there is no corner of South Africa that is not touched and covered by the SABC. Be it case Kamahook, you have someone who can send you a story about what is happening in their region, and only the SABC has that reach. So reach and language, very crucial. But I think in terms of the commercial challenges, the next level is to think new models. And one of the models we need to think about is innovation. 
because of the digital revolution, how do we play in that space to make sure that uh, we earn revenue from the new digital tools that are being ushered in with uh, the new technologies. So I think uh, we need now to have a paradigm shift from the traditional advertising and state, add now another new direction, and that's operating model and funding model. And I think there is a lot to be tapped from that. Thank you. Last question over there. Um, I'm, I'm Morris from China, Africa. Now, I just wanted to extend a little bit of uh, the topic here of public broadcasting into the international arena. Um, of recent, there has been talk and uh, forums also looking at international public service broadcasting. Now, my question is, uh, uh, looking at the funding model of uh, such uh, um, broadcasters, which are mostly 100% funded by the state, I, in, this, in this case, we, we may look at the BBC, these international radio stations. Uh, how, how would you define them as public service instead of state, um, no, knowing very well that uh, uh, they would be reflecting, mo in, most, in most cases, the objectives of their foreign policies? Thank you. So, yeah, is Channel Africa a public broadcaster or a state broadcaster? Um, let me actually draw from that analogy of the BBC. The BBC is public service, and technically it's not funded by the state. The BBC is funded through a license fee, and a license fee mechanism that is designed in a way that they can ensure 100% payment. We have raised that issue even in the SABC many years back, that uh, this could be linked to the water and lights account and something like that. So that when you pay for your water and lights, part of that payment, there is also the license fee for the radio service that the people receive. But you see, my experience working quite extensively across the continent of Africa is that governments don't want to let go the dependence model that you should always come to them for a bailout. Because look at what they're doing to the SABC. We are waiting for Treasury or the Minister to decide. That actually, and it is, it is unfair on the men and women in the SABC who are trying to put the lights on despite, you know, the revenues coming through. So my point, Morris, is uh, there is the license fee as in the BBC case, and there is this one that we have where you only have 18% of the revenue. That model must actually be reviewed and restructured so that it is a license fee along the models of the BBC that will ensure a, a maximum payment and to free the broadcaster from state dependence and state funding. And that will make it a truly public service broadcaster. Thank you very much. <clears throat> I think we're really out of time. Um, I want to thank my three panelists for a most interesting and stimulating discussion. We could have gone on for the rest of the day, but I think we need to break for lunch, and then after that, we'll pick up various other topics. But please, a big round of applause for the three. Thank you.